A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, welcome to this week's edition of the Trans Europe Express podcast. I'm Danny Kelly. Very excited. We've got a new sidekick this week. Luke Moore is with me, bringing some fresh blood to the roundup of everything that's going on in European football. We'll have uh, the latest from the big games, including that Classico, which ended up with about 15 yellow cards and a red. We'll tell you all about the importance of that. Plus, we'll be talking to a man who actually works in Russia about what the preparations are like now. The World Cup is only a few weeks away. Every game live here on Talk Sport, of course. Have all the usual offices as well. A bit of a laugh as well. Hopefully, you'll enjoy this cult footballer who, believe it or not, ended up playing at Fratton Park. All of that's coming up in the next two hours. And if you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy doing it, you'll have a blast. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sports. Hello and welcome to this uh, Sunday's edition of Trans Europe Express. I'm Danny Kelly. Alongside me from the On the Continent uh, European Football Podcast, the host of that, and a number of other things you hear him on TalkSport too all the time as well, Luke Moore. Delighted to say a welcome to Luke and a debut on the show. Good evening, Dave. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I've found some complacency among the normal co-hosts as we got into the latter stage of the season, yeah. and uh, they've all been benched in the hope of trying to bring them back to the standards that we were enjoying at the earlier part of this season. So thank you, Luke, for coming and putting a fire under the likes of <laughs> Mark Langdon and Andy Brassell, Rob Daly also. During the course of the next hour, we'll review all the weekend's action. We've got a European cult football hero for you, a very personal one for Luke Moore. We've got some European musical homework. It's uh, tap-in. Simon Calder will tell us about Bulgograd. For those of you lucky enough to be able to go to that World Cup, remember every game in the World Cup live here on Talk Sport. And we've got a poll for you as well. All the usual stuff, and it should be a belting show. We've got three very important live matches, and we'll start with those because it's going to be important, important games throughout the evening here on Trans Europe. As I say, a real big welcome to Luke Moore. And Luke, already goals galore. Let's start with the Classico. Two goals in the first quarter of an hour. Yeah, Suarez scored to open the score for Barcelona. And then Ronaldo cancelled it out with... And you, it's going to sound like I'm being sarcastic here, but I'm not. It was a tapping for the great man. But he'll take it because they all count. Thank you very much indeed. Meanwhile, um, in a very important game at the top and bottom of, Italy, of Italian football, Cagliari are taking on Rome on Sardinia. What's the score there? Uh, it was 1-0 to Roma. Cengiz Unda 
Wilder, a guy who got a bit of criticism in Roma's uh, first leg against Liverpool uh, for being a bit gung-ho, the right-sided young Turk. He scored to make it 1-0 to Roma with 20 minutes gone. Critical game for them and just about to kick off, or just having kicked off actually. Um, let me just see if we've got it on the screens. I haven't got it, but we will get it. Uh, Marseille take on Nice. Marseille needing those points in the race for Champions League places in France. And hmm. um, where shall we start this week? Why don't we start with Italy? Um, I think we'll start with Italy. Um, we talked about Roma, then we'll come back to them. And I've written here Septo Celestia, Septo Celestia, seventh heaven, because after one of the great races for the league title, I think this weekend's results mean that, sadly, I think for those of us who like a little bit of variety in our football, it looks like Juventus are going to be champions of Italy again. Yeah, and it's the hope that kills you, Danny, isn't it? I mean, I've been over to, in Naples this uh, this season to watch this great, great Napoli side try and lift the uh, the Serie A title for the first time in 20-odd years, but it looks like the writing's on the wall now after Napoli drew with Torino, despite giving us those fireworks, literally, in Naples when they beat Juventus in the final minute. Well, you, you were at that game, which to me was one of the, the, the great club matches um, no, I was at the Chievo sorry, game. Oh, were you? Yeah, sorry, yeah, beg yeah. your pardon. So you've been to the San Paoli to see, to see the atmosphere because yeah. part of the... I mean, we'll talk about how, how if indeed they have, Naples have fallen short. Hmm. It seems to me that one of the things... I'm not sure we've seen Dortmund do it 10 years ago. We've seen Liverpool do it now. Often clubs can surf the passion, if that's the overused word, of yeah. their crowd. But in the end of the day, it's the people on the grass who have to do it. And I wonder how much... Napoli have been relying on that on that extraordinary crowd. I think they have, and I think yeah, the atmosphere inside the San Paolo on that in that game was absolutely electric. Despite for the the lion's share of the game, Napoli not really turning up. I mean, you saw Lorenzo Insigne, who was a local Naples lad, getting very irate with the crowd. The crowd in a way that doesn't really exist outside in English football. He was he was being quite personally. Um, back and forward with with individual members of the crowd. Yes, imagine that in England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's going to go down. That's going to work, really work, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and 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 then, but when they scored the equaliser, um, and it does get to the very heart of what I think is bringing up Napoli sh- just slightly short here. They bring on Milik, and Milik scores the equaliser, and he's a player they've underused. Um, Sarri's Na- Napoli, in my opinion, only seem to be able to play in one way, really, and that's going to that's to their detriment. But anyway, Milik scores the equaliser, and then it's inevitable because that's how football works. You can't put your finger on. It, but that's how it works. They're always going to go on and get a winner. And when they get the winner, the scenes were absolutely incredible. And it was one of those moments where you thought, "Do you know what? This this might actually be their year." Um, to, 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 to mimic a Liverpool phrase, which is used in derogatory terms about Liverpool fans, of course. But it did seem in that moment you get swept along, you're in a bear hug with three Italian men you never met before, and you think this might well be the year for them. And then they go and do that in Juventus, but they follow it up with, with disappointing results against Fiorentina and then this, this draw at home to Torino. Um, I mean, to me, it, it, it's not rocket science. The, uh, although they have scored plenty of goals, 73, uh, so just over two goals a game, Last year, their front three were all scoring massive amounts of goals. Mertens, yeah. obviously, the, the most example. And a, di- uh, you know, a mixture of things that have happened to the team. And they've still got plenty of goals, but they haven't had those utterly reliable week-in, week-out, no. know they're going to score goal scorers. I mean, we'll come on to Juventus in just a second. Two questions for you about this then. Can this Napoli team, because Naples are not the financial powerhouse that, say, Juventus are, hmm. can this, Na- this Napoli team stay together over the summer? And will Sari stay? I think there's a fear that it'll it'll go the way Monaco went. 
and they'll, and they'll, and these players will be will be picked off. Um, but the reality is, the front three haven't been reliable enough in the in the, in the closing stages of the season. I mean, Mertens is, is really flat to deceive, especially against Juventus when he was really poor. And I think his record against Juventus generally is quite poor, actually. Um, Callahan, Mertens, and uh, Insigne, when it when it's really mattered, they haven't been able to do it consistently enough. And there's been a, there's been an interesting dialogue between um, Allegri at Juventus and um, and Sarri at Napoli, where Napoli. Sarri basically took the decision to not really um, prioritise the Europa League and um, and then Allegri sort of fired back with, well, it's okay for you to win once a week in, in, in Serie A. When you're at Juventus, you've got to win every game and you've got to prioritise every tournament, every competition. Um, so there's been a bit of needle there. Ultimately, Napoli have, have come up short because of that reason, but also because Sarri is very reluctant to play in any different way. It seems to be in the big games... He plays in that way, that four-three-three with those. Let three me interrupt forwards. you with something you, you, you'll be interested to hear. They've just kicked off in in Marseille. Marseille needing these points to cement their Champions League place. Uh, nice have taken the lead after five minutes. Needless to say, it's Mario Balotelli yeah. who has scored the goal. So let me just go, go back to these three games then. In Cagliari, it's Cagliari nil, Roma one. Perhaps you'd expect that. In the Clasico, it's Barcelona one, Real Madrid one. After twenty-five minutes, after. Uh, of course, Real Madrid setting out here, and we'll talk about it a little later, to stop Barcelona going unbeaten, the first Spanish side ever to do that in a league season. And in the big game at the Olympic Stadium there in the south of France, it's Marseille nil, Nice one. It's something of a local derby, this, of course. And Nice will do, Nice will be well pleased that they could stop Marseille getting the three points tonight. Um, so Napoli um, are where they are. And of course, Juventus had already won three goals to one against Bologna to take them really to the... You've even done the mathematics. It is possible for... Well, it's head-to-head, isn't it? Naples are six points behind, two games to go. It's head-to-head. They both drew... Um, so Dan, they, they drew both games, so it's down to goal difference, and there's a 16, 16 um, goal swing between them. So essentially, uh, they are champions. Yeah, they traded one their wins actually away in in their games against each other. And oh, it, sorry, yeah, yeah, it's possible for Napoli to win the league in the way that you know anything not ruled out by the known laws of physics is technically possible, mm-hmm. but it looks very unlikely now because even though Juventus have flirted with his idea of, of of not doing it, like going behind against ten man Inter and. And, and this, that, and the other, a couple of dodgy um, performances here and there. Ultimately, they're going to close it out, and it is the hope that kills you. But Napoli can be very proud of the, of the season they've had, but ultimately, they've fallen short. Roma um, are winning, which is uh, good for them. They will go above Lazio into third place if they win uh, tonight um, in the race for the Champions League. It's a bad result, of course, for Cagliari, who are, I mean, Verona and Benevento are down for that third relegation place. Um, Cagliari, Udinese, Crotona. Kievo and Spal, five teams covered by two points. Um, but uh, uh, this is the game in hand that Cagliari have, um, and they, they, at the moment they're not getting anything out of it. Roma um, looking good again for another another crack at the uh, the Champions League. A Champions League where we have more to talk about the amazing game against Liverpool uh, during the week. Where in this country it was seen that Liverpool did enough to get across the line. Mm. In Italy, I think I think you were saying in the, in the warm up for this show the tremendous amount, nearly seven hours of research. <laughs> and we were here at, at midday um, when you were saying that um, in Italy the referees taking the can. Yeah, Roma, Roma. I thought were the better team on the night, and I, I do. I do think there was some poor, some very poor decision. I mean, the one that sticks out for me, Danny, is the um, is the the flagging of Jeco offside when he wasn't offside. Carrius brings him down the area. A penalty is not given because he's deemed to be offside when he isn't. Um, that was a real key turning point. And I thought Liverpool had really difficult trouble knowing how to manage the game. And we've seen their game management all season has been poor. 
Um, they only really know how to play one way, and it put himself in a position um, where they were, they didn't really know what to do. And interestingly enough, after the first leg, when Roma came out of that five-two. Some of the newspapers, in, one of the particular ro- uh, newspapers in, the ro- in, in Rome, quoted a, a Roma player who said, they were killing us, but they let us live, which I thought was a really interesting quote. Of course, it almost came back to haunt Liverpool um, in the second leg. Although you'd be disappointed if you got seven goals in the semi-final of the Champions League and didn't go through. Let's be, let's be <laughs> truthful. Seven, six. So I'll let's say. be truthful about that. Um, I'll just make the point uh, as well that... Uh, um, Inter Milan have a much improved season. They won four nil against Udinese. But the thing that's go, we're going to talk a little later on about the managerial merry-go-round. This Italian, I mean, I know that says it Costa Curto's in charge of making the yes. decision. Yeah, um, a great player, of course. Um, he, what what is he holding his breath for? Is he waiting for the end of the season? Because it's the Italian national job is a huge job in football, hmm. and any probably any manager asked to do it would want to do it. Yeah, I find it odd that they are struggling to appoint someone, given they're at a really low ebb as a team as well. I mean, you'd think it would be tailor-made for a big name to come in and say, well, look what you were like when I come along. And they've got talented young players coming through. Sure. There is a chance to build an Italian team here. I think so, yeah. And, and Costa Curta had a chance meeting with Ancelotti apparently last week um, where they, they a newspaper, I think it was the Corriere del Sport, picked up on it and, 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 link, and, and leaked it essentially because they're close with the Italian Football Federation. And um, Ancelotti, I think, was put off by that. There's been rumours now as well that Ancelotti has already accepted a, um, an offer from an, uh, a Premier League team. Boom! Um, that can only be Arsenal or Chelsea. Well, it must be. If it's true, of course, which we never know. It's all yeah. smoke and mirrors, isn't it? But anyway, to go back to your point, it is a, it's a massive job, obviously. It always will be in, in, in international football. Roberto Mancini's been linking himself with it all season. He hates his time over in Russia. He can't wait to get away. Um, it looks like he's in the frame now. Luigi Di Biagio is currently in situ, of course, but is not really pulling up any trees. Um, I think he secretly hopes he can get it as well. Um, it's, it's all to play for. Who's your star of the week in Italy? Um, I started a week in Italy. Remind me, it's Mauro Riccardi for his uh, performance for Inter at the weekend. They won four 0 at Udinese, and I, I just think Riccardi is 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 such is such a good player <laughs> and such a good forward, and clearly loves um, playing for Inter. I, I wonder. I don't want to offend anyone who loves who loves the team, but I wonder at what point we're going to decide that it's to the detriment of his of his career because he's not played in the Champions League yet. Clearly, none of us are getting any younger. He's a talent who deserves to be in the Champions League. Um, whether that's going to be with Inter or not, we'll, we'll see for, uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, I hope he gets to play in there soon. Well, he's won a major um, honour there. He's our star of the week here on Trans Europe Express. And he will put that straight on his CV, I'm sure, when that's it comes to a sideboard, That's going on the sideboard, that. That's yeah. going on the sideboard. <laughs> Let me give you your music homework. I mean, it's a tap-in, guys. We've got a lot to get through today. I couldn't be thinking of new and exotic subjects. Given the weather, though, I think no one will be disappointed. Sun, sunshine, sunny, songs about all of those conditions. Text your request to 81089, or you can tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. And our poll, which you can vote on at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, and probably at Luke Aaron Moore, Luke's uh, Twitter feed, is a... Oh, it's a difficult one. Who should replace Karim Benzema at Real Madrid? Of course, he got two goals in the Champions League semi-final. Who should replace him? We put in Robert Lewandowski, Harry Kane... Edison Cavani and Mauro Icardi I just mentioned there. And you can go, as I say, to vote there at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words and at Luke Aaron Moore on Twitter. You're listening to Trans Europe Express on TalkSport. No sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long 
she goes away. See what we've done there, of course. We, it's the sunniest day of the year so far. We're doing Wonder songs about sun and sunny and sunshine. We choose the saddest song ever written about sunshine. The mighty Bill Withers, of course, Wonder and Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away Text your requests for songs about sun or sunshine or sunny to 81089 or tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Let's get the sunshine songs on Trans Europe Express. There's been a, another goal in France, Sir Luke. Yeah, Jermaine's equalised for Marseille, his eighth goal of the season. Haven't seen it because it's not up on the screen, but it's one all. Uh, I think uh, I think Dimitri Payet making his yes. traditional late run for the French squad for the World Cup. And still, and um, ah, here it is. We've got, oh, we've got it up, up there as well. Still, there, yeah. still West Ham's leading chance creator, isn't he? Over the last <laughs> five years or something. And um, that that Bill Withers song, one of my favourite all-time musical jokes. If you've probably heard it, how do you tuck a how do you turn a duck into a soul singer? Stick him in the oven till he's Bill Withers. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, thank you very much indeed. And uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't hear him blowing the dust off that. That was very good. Very quiet. <laughs> I recalled that earlier as he blew the dust off that joke. <laughs> one remember, for the teenagers. Uh, Marseille 1, Nice 1, as you say there. Calorie nil, Roma 1. And in the Classico, because next um, up we're going to talk about Spain, it remains Barcelona. Just gone into the 39th minute of the game. It remains Barcelona 1, Real Madrid 1. Now, headline for Spain this week is guard of dishonour because before a ball was kicked, of course, um, there had to be... We're not quite at the stage of Jose Mourinho... Um, versus the whole of the world when he was no. but, but quite a controversy today that Real Madrid refusing to form a guard of honour for the champions of Spain yeah and I think how do you think Sergio Ramos will go down in the all time European football villains and we look back over his oh, career oh he's the top bantamine villain of all time he's the most decorated footballer of all time uh, just about and I, yeah. I also worked out one day here and this was 18 months ago so we added to he's missed a year a year of playing time through suspension yeah I can believe it um, this all stems from um, Ramos and Real Madrid well allegedly, but Ramos chiefly, being put out that Barcelona didn't give Real Madrid a, uh, a guard of honour when they won the World Club Championship, the which we- I know, Danny, you feel very strongly about. Well, what, what is the World Club Championship? I mean, honest to goodness. And what's it got to do with La Liga? Um, it's, it's, this is an excuse, I think, that Real Madrid have come up with. And I don't know. I actually didn't see the preliminaries. I don't no. know if they did actually form a guard of honour, but I suspect they were all planning not to. But they absolutely should have done. I mean, Well, it's, it's been a tradition in that country. Um, this is the first game where this has come up for a long, long time. I think it's 20 years since, it? since a Clasico was played when we already knew the champions were. A similar situation, and Real Madrid did form a guard of honour, um, but they haven't done here. The game is hugely important to both clubs, of course. Um, Real Madrid in danger of finishing fourth if they ain't careful. They've only got games in hand over Atletico, more about them later, and Valencia. Um, but, of course, the really big thing here is that I think no team has ever gone unbeaten in Spain. And Barcelona are now within three games, four games of doing that. This one, one other. And, of course, this would be Real Madrid's big chance to derail that honour for them. Yeah, and, and what an achievement it would be for Barcelona for obvious reasons. But also when taken into context the summer they've just had. I mean, it seems to me, uh, casting my mind back eight or nine months or so, Barcelona appeared to be in absolute disarray. I mean, off the pitch, there was problems with... Tax investigations all over the place. They Neymar. Lose, they lose Neymar. Yep. They sign Paulinho to great fanfare, and not the good kind of fanfare, I might add, who's also, to be fair, slotted in very well. And done the a genius job. that is Paulinho, as he's known on here. In, yeah. Indeed. And, and Valverde deserves an immense amount of credit. I mean, he's, he's, he's unified this team. Um, I know, of course, Messi and Suarez have been front and centre, but you'd expect that. You can't c- complain about players who are the best players around playing well. I mean, that's just part of football. 
And they look like, if they can get through this game against uh, Real Madrid, and as we just said, it's one all at the moment, five minutes from half-time, they look an absolute shoe-in to go undefeated throughout the league season, it's, which, is, which would be an absolutely incredible achievement. It really would. Um, speaking of Neymar, we're uh, still not playing today, of course, but uh, two things to say about it. Uh, one, he is back in Paris and training. I'm only mentioning him in the Spanish section because the links to Real Madrid won't go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not going to feature now for, for, the, for the rest of the club season because of this injury. He's come back from Brazil where he was convalescing ahead of the World Cup. He's now in Paris, as you say. Um, this Real Madrid link won't go away. And, and what would Real Madrid like more than to almost get some sort of side swipe against Barcelona in, in a sort of in a, in a sideways way by signing Neymar? And the reason I mention if that... If I tell is, you that there's, there's now a head-to-head confrontation and that one, which Real Madrid think player do you think might be involved? I can see Sergio Ramos right in the thick of it, Danny, which won't yeah. be a surprise to he, anyone. He and Luis Suarez have had a, a contretemps, and I mean that in the literal sense. Their heads have come together. Hmm. Um, I, I can't say who's to blame. The referee. He's got a yellow card in his hand, though, Danny. He's yes, got a yellow and card I suspect Sergio Ramos will be on the on the thick end of that very, very soon. Unless I've got it wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's the referee with the yellow card, not Sergio Ramos, who I suspect may well bring his own along just yes, to save should, a bit yeah. of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, cut, cut out the middleman. Yeah. The, the, so there's no play in, in 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 the classical at the moment because of that. We'll probably have about four or five minutes uh, extra time at the end of the half at the end of the first half, probably. But the reason I mention this this Real Madrid Neymar thing and bring a political side to They're it. Both is, books, Suarez and and Sergio Ramos. Mm. Um, it's because the, the signing that PSG made for Neymar was a, a massively political signing. It was it was seen as a, as a as a retribution for whatever perceived slight Barcelona had paid to Paris Saint Germain earlier in the year. And Paris Saint Germain being desperate to be at this top table, being, they're the new boys, they're new money, all the rest of it, um, and they want to be considered to be right up there. So they've gone and swiped Neymar from under Barcelona's um, nose course from Neymar's point of view he's never going to be fully the jewel in the crown because Messi's there so I sort of do understand the move from his point of view if he were to go to Real Madrid after shall we say uh, speculatively a very successful World Cup what a story that would be it, it would be I, 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 you don't leave Barcelona unless you're the, you've got screw loose there's my, there's my honest opinion yeah, you don't go anywhere it. other than down from there I don't think <coughs> Lionel Messi is you know he's going to be a great player for another three years I, I, I totally mm. expect that don't you want to play with the very, very best players in the world? Another yellow card being flashed there by the referee as we get towards the end of the first half. It's for Messi. I think Messi has gone, as, what's the word I'd use there? Has clogged Sergio Ram. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Straight through him. Well done, Lionel. Yeah, um, that's what I think of you, mate. I think, you I think this game is not going to end necessarily with the full compliment, shall we <laughs> no. say. Um, I'll be disappointed if it does, if, that, if, if I may be so bold. I mean, the, another big story from Spain this season, and now it's confirmed, Valencia. Um, following, uh, even though they lost 1-0 at Villarreal, um, who themselves are, are, are in the race for a Europa League place, Valencia have clinched fourth place and a Champions League place. Um, you consider, one, that their owner, Peter Lim, is tr- trigger-happy. Yeah. Um, two, that they were a global laughingstock last season, Gary Neville, all the rest of it. How have they done this? I think the short... And also, just to add further context to that, they've been in a terrible run of form. I don't think they've won any in their last five. Um, including this Villarreal defeat, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the short the short answer from from what I've seen is that they've they've sorted their defence out considerably. And Arsenal fans listening who are already uh, nursing a drink, I think, after the Wenger era has come to an end at the Emirates this afternoon. Um, Gabriel Paulista, the, the lesser spotted Gabriel, formerly yeah. of formerly of this parish, has slotted in there very very well. He's been one of the standout defenders for them and been a key part of why they've essentially just stopped conceding goals. I think they might have conceded around twenty fewer this season than they did last season. 
last season, I believe they finished 12th. They're up in fourth now, <clears throat> a shoe-in to finish in the top four. The Arsenal supporting um, producer also reminded me that Francis Coquelin is very much part of the team. Indeed. Thank you very much indeed. It's almost uh, like that manager at North London wasn't getting the best out of his players, Danny, but that's probably not for well, me Well, he got the say. best out of them today, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Funny yeah. that, isn't it? Let me just also make the point that Atletico Madrid, and um, perhaps with a one-eye, of course, um, on the Europa League final, lost their first ever game at their new uh, home when they lost 2-0 to Espanyol. That result, um, very decent season. Espanyol were expected to be fighting relegation. They've avoided it um, pretty handily. Um, and uh, Real Betis are in the Europa League as well. Um, fantastic achievement for them uh, with a couple of games to go uh, in uh, the Spanish League. Who's going to be your um, star of the week in Spain? We're going to go for Ava Benega, you know. Ah. Um, and the reason is partly because I like him as a player, because he's that sort of player that I'm attracted to who is really, really talented and really almost like as talented as anyone you'll see, but he's not quite the full ticket in terms of his application mentally. And I thought he was a standout player for Sevilla um, against Man United in the Champions League. And he scored a goal at the weekend to deliver his team a win. A, t- a team who've been going through a difficult patch. You know, they've just lost their manager. Uh, Real Sossi that have been in okay form, but his goal was the, uh, the difference between the sides. So I thought I'd give him a bit of um, overdue credit because no one really talks about him much. Thank you very much indeed. And next up, we'll talk about Germany. Much to discuss there, including uh, we move one step closer so this studio having a massive, massive clock. Regular listeners will know what I'm talking about. The rest of you will have to wait a couple of minutes while I'll explain. You're listening to Luke Moore and me, Danny Kelly, here on Trans Europe Express. Our distant drums, the roads I knew became a city. Yes, Simon from London, among the many who asked for this. Two Door Cinema Club and Sun, as we continue to take your request for songs about sun, sunny, sunshine, you know the sort of thing. 81089 on the text or tweet the director, Danny Kelly Words. Your sun song, please. We celebrate the beautiful weather. Now, regular listeners will know that I speak about a million words a week here on Talk Sport, and 999,000 of them are rubbish and wrong. But I do occasionally get things right. I told you Stoke were going to be relegated at the start of the season. And I told you that we were not going to end up with 22 players in the Classico. <laughs> and Luke, yep. I was right. Yeah, it's half time. We can all take a breath and just try and process what we've seen. But Sergio Roberto, Barcelona's right back, has just been given his marching orders right on the stroke of half time. In my view, an idiotic move. Absolutely dimwit. Yeah, Marcelo's come, um, come into him a bit late. Um, sorry, I slipped into the footballers' tents. Yeah. Marcelo has slipped into him a little bit late, and um, Sergio Roberto, um, so you, what you could only describe as a sort of lash out, sort of cupped hand slap. It was a slap, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, he didn't even bother to punch him, but no. it, that's always going to get you sent off. And the referee didn't hesitate, and he's off. And, this, and, and if he if he just if if they lose two one now, he'll be blamed, won't he, forever for losing the, the unbeaten season? I wonder how Valverde will react to that at half time. I mean, that's incredible. As you said, dimwitticism, if that's yeah, a word. Dimwittery. Um, dimwittery is probably yeah. more accurate. They've got to play 45 minutes now against a team with a bit between their teeth who really want to get one over on them. Um, and it's going to be a tough ask. Coutinho playing on the right in front of Roberto, presuming Valverde doesn't shuffle it, which of course he might. Coutinho's going to have to put a hell of a shift in against Marcelo and Ronaldo who's coming in off that left-hand side. 
I don't, I don't know if Paulinho's uh, on the bench, but he's he'd be an obvious one to bring on as he well. He is on the bench, yeah, yeah. yeah for a little bit of uh, physical running power. Now that yeah. they're down to 10 men, it remains Marseille 1, Nice 1, Calgary 0, Roma 1 in the two other games that we're featuring uh, tonight. Mm. Um, let's move on, if, if we may. And sorry, I said what you can do, you request that. Also, let me give you the latest from the poll. Actually, I haven't got the latest from the poll, but our poll is who should replace Benzema at Real Madrid, should he need replacing? We put in the full names of centre-forwards, Robert Lewandowski, Harry Kane, Edison Cavani, despite being an old man, he's had in fantastic form again this season, and Maro Icardi, underrated, as Luke was saying a little while ago. You can vote uh, on Twitter, at, at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, and at Luke Aaron Moore uh, for that one. And I'll, at the moment, it's Lewandowski leads that one with 45%, Cavani 5 Icardi 18 and Harry Kane 32% of you think he would be a good replacement um, for, that's a lot of Arsenal fans voting there, isn't it? <laughs> a good replacement for Karim Benzema. Uh, let's talk about Germany. Our headline is Flame Grilled because, ladies and gentlemen, it's not over yet. But the day when Hamburg, the Hamburgers themselves, having promised to go down for four of the last five years, having sworn at the end of each season that they would do something about it and not go down, and having that huge clock in the stadium which shows that they've never been relegated. It's like 85 years, 16 months, whatever it is. It can't be 16 months. You know what it is. 11 months, 2 hours, 44 seconds. And I have put in two cash offers now. When that clock is redundant, if they go down, it's going to become the studio clock here at TalkSport. It's going to look magnificent. And there won't be so much room for broadcasters. Um, <laughs> you couldn't have me, Anna, and Brazil and the clock in the studio at the same time. Put it that way. Um, but we are, because Hamburg, they're nearly down, aren't they? Yeah. Ich bin ein Hamburger, I suppose, to, yeah. to, to, to paraphrase. They lost uh, 3-0 to Frankfurt. They did. Um, and they're not down yet because they, they, they can still catch Wolfsburg. Um, but Wolfsburg... Yeah. But the problem is, Danny, is that Hamburg don't score any goals. I mean, they're the lowest scorers in the division by a decent distance. Um, and the game against Frankfurt, they are outclassed. I mean, Eintracht Frankfurt under Nico Kovac is obviously going to be the Bayern Munich coach next season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a fantastic job there. But Hamburg are struggling because that, that, that age-old adage, which is if you don't score goals, you genu- genuinely you cannot win games. Uh, and that's been the story of Hamburg so far this season. And just to, to um, they play Borussia Mönchengladbach on the last game of the season, I yeah. think, uh, in... in uh, at home, yeah. Uh, at home, Wolfsburg are home to already relegated Cologne. So unless you can make the argument, oh, they'll be relaxed Cologne and all that, um, I'm afraid it's looking like the end for Hamburg. But they've got out of it every other year, and maybe they'll organise some kind of great escape again. But I'm just making a point. We've really concentrated on this because Hamburg, in my living memory, when you were still at school, were a huge <laughs> European club. When Kevin Keegan was European Footballer of the Year with Liverpool, he chose to go to Hamburg. You know, yeah, and what about that Felix Magat goal in the European Cup final as Absolutely. well? Absolutely, you know, he's, he's known for being a uh, a bit of a hard taskmaster as a coach and a bit of a laughing stock at Fulham. But that goal in the final was an absolute beauty. So they've got a rich, rich history. Also, Dan, it's worth pointing out the best Hamburg can hope for now is this relegation playoff, playoff yes. third from bottom, um, which is currently occupied by Wolfsburg. Um, Hamburg have won three of their last five, so they are showing a little bit, and a lot of momentum is very important at this time of the season. But the best they can hope for now is a playoff. Um, and Cologne, by the way, just to fill up what you're saying there, Cologne are a very, very poor side. I mean, they're, they're very poor, and I can't see them getting anything against Wolfsburg. Schalke, um, meanwhile, at the top of the table, Schalke are virtually sealed the uh, set. Well, they're not, it's not quite sealed, but they're very, very likely to be second behind, distant second behind Bayern Munich. Then the race for the Champions League places. And the Europa League place is very, very tight. Dortmund have 55 points. Hoffenheim, 52. Bayer Leverkusen, 52. Um, and uh, RB Leipzig have 50. All of them have three games to go. 
Um, and Dortmund, of course, have shot themselves in the foot this weekend by being beaten by Mainz, who themselves were in relegation <coughs> trouble. Yeah, there's only one game to go, 34 games in... in 34, in, in yeah, my mathematics is terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, Schalke, they're, they're top, of the, um, top of the rest, so they'll be second. Um, Dortmund had an absolutely shocking game um, against Mainz. They were really, really poor, beaten 2-1 at home. Hoffenheim under Nagelsmann. I feel, I feel sorry for, for, for Julian Nagelsmann because he's a great young coach. He's exciting. He's been linked with every other club under the sun because of the job he's done at Hoffenheim. And we all know he was desperate to go to Bayern Munich. And I think he thought he was going to be given the nod. He made a great fanfare about how uh, he built a new house in Munich and all the rest of it. And of course, Bayern Munich um, passed him over for Niko Kovac, leaving poor Julian bereft. Um, it's, hopefully his heart will heal its savage wounds over the next year or so when Kovac bombs out and he can be given the job in a well, year or so. Well, sometime before the end of the programme, we will have five minutes on the managerial merry-go-round that's got to happen hmm. um, in the big clubs uh, in Europe in the, in the summer. A couple of um, local boys to look out for. Adam Ola-Luckman got two of Leipzig's uh, four goals um, at uh, uh, home to Wolfsburg, and he's in tremendous form. And Jaden Sancho, who... Uh, we're kind of campaigning to get into the World Cup squad, despite that horrible defeat uh, by Mainz. Was, uh, according to you, Dortmund's best player? I think he looked the most likely. I think he was a bright spot in what was a poor performance. Um, Dortmund have got a decision to make as well in the summer about their coach after what's been going on there over the last year or so. I thought Sancho, speaking of, of him as a future England player, I mean, what sort of players does Southgate like? Well, he likes fast players who, who, who've come through the age groups and who can move the ball quickly and who are exciting and all the rest of it. Sancho fits the bill. He really does. Why not? I was going to say, yeah, what, like Wilfred Zaha, who England somehow let slip through their yes, fingers. Yes, quite, yeah. Um, that was disappointing, actually. Yeah. Our poll um, about, the, uh, about the replacement for Karim Benzema, if such a thing is needed at Real Madrid, Lewandowski currently winning it, and uh, Robert, Robert himself um, behaving as though he, 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 he would quite like to get away from Bayern Munich. Yes, and which won't be a surprise to anyone because Robert's been very, very uh, forwards in coming forward, shall we say, about how much his life's dream to play for Real Madrid and all the rest of it. And he's probably getting a bit bored at Bayern Munich, to be honest. He was 24 points ahead in the uh, in the Bundesliga. Um, but he wasn't happy being subbed off at the weekend um, against, against Cologne. But, you know, you can't have it all, can you? No. And who's your star of the week in Germany? I'm going to go for Ridley Baku, who I'll... Another new name to us here, yeah, actually. Well, it's a new name to me. I'll freely admit I know next to nothing about the boy, but he's a young local lad coming through at Mainz, and he's played two games for them now, uh, and he scored the winner against Dortmund. What's uh, his name? What's the first name? Ridley Baku. Ridley Baku. Thank yeah. you very much indeed. He's our star of the week in Germany, and as I say, looking forward to the day when I can send you a picture on Twitter of the Hamburg scoreboard here in the Talk Sports studio. It's going to look magnificent. Cue egg on face next week when Hamburg win and Wolfsburg lose, and Hamburg win the playoffs as well, as they've done twice in recent seasons to to maintain that unrelegated um, record of theirs in the Bundesliga, which means that you know, of course, that next up here on Trans Europe Express, we'll be talking about uh, the goings-on in France. You're listening to me, Danny Kelly. He's Luke Moore from the On the Continent uh, European Football Podcast. And let's be fair, he's doing really, really well compared to some of the losers that I've had to stand down this week. Face. 
somehow you, the listeners, always manage to work T-Rex into these shows. And why not? The producer likes to get Jamiroquai in, but he's not here, the usual producer, so we're not getting Jamiroquai. Mambo's son, of course, from the mighty T-Rex, probably off Electric Warrior, isn't it? Keep your requests coming in. Songs about sunshine, sun, and sunniness in general. 81089 is text number, and you can tweet me directly uh, your requests at Danny Kelly Words. And I've got wild news for you. players are back out for the second half of the Classico. I think there's been a substitution or two. Um, Luke will look those up for you in just a second. Because now we're going to talk about France um, where of course tonight we're seeing Marseille play against Nice. Um, it's a goal apiece in that one. An early goal by Mario Balotelli uh, wiped out by Valérie Germain to make it 1-1. As those two teams, um, or well at least uh, the Marseille part of our heading I'm trying to get into the Champions League. Let's uh, let's talk about the Champions League race. Honestly, Paris Saint-Germain. I, I don't know, Luke. I'm going to ask you this because you know you must have discussed it on your own podcast and the many other outlets you have for your uh, voluminous knowledge. <laughs> um, I asked one of your now now sacked co-hosts uh, a few weeks ago whether you could put together a team from all the other clubs in France that would take on Paris Saint-Germain. This, it's what I call the Celtic question. Mm. And to my horror, he said no. I mean, I just, uh, this league bothers me a bit. I mean, no, there's yeah. always great matches. We see great football, fantastic matches, and lots and lots of fantastic players, many of whom are coming, are having, having not done so well in the Premier League. I'm thinking about Tovan, second highest goal scorer um, there, Payet, etc. Um, although he did do well in the Premier League. Um, the, the fact that Paris Saint Germain are once again, there's nothing to be done about it because we know, we understand the mathematics, we understand the economics. But it is a bit painful, isn't it? Yeah, and I think more, moreover, um, Danny, it's it's a theme that we're seeing throughout the big leagues in Europe. I mean, Bayern Munich have long dominated Germany, and they're, they're miles ahead. You know, we've, the only real title race we've had in Europe in the major leagues this season, Italy, has been in Italy, and yeah. it's the same in Man City in in England. I mean, what what we're looking at, I mean, you you remember better than me, but back in the day when there was this talk of a, of a European Super League and everyone was up in arms about it, horrified. Well, what we're actually seeing here is the European Super League being ushered through the back door because these teams now, Bayern Munich, PSG, to, to an extent Juventus, although this season is an anomaly, I accept that. Mm-hmm. Juventus are about to win their seventh league title in a row, so let's get that right. And Man City in England, these teams are now going to be judging themselves on how they perform in the Champions League because, I mean, for PSG, this is an absolute canter. It really is. Well, and that, but that, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because it looks like we're going to, we, are, we have a final between a Real Madrid side that, depending on what happens tonight, could easily finish fourth in their league yeah. um, and a Liverpool side that could finish third, fourth or fifth in England hmm. after, after this weekend's results. Um, so for all the um, uh, sw- swanning about the top of these leagues, that's not yet been translated entirely into domination in, in, in Europe. But Liverpool, are, uh, Danny, you remember when we used to have those proper old-fashioned cup sides, just cup teams? Yes. They, were, they would be brilliant on a one-off day. You get the floodlights on, you get a, sheets of rain coming down, and they're your boys. Liverpool are, are that. Liverpool are that. They're a throwback on any given day. Um, they can do the business. And, and, and look how they got on in the, in the knockout stage of the Champions League up to this point. Every single time, the first leg, they kill you dead. Yeah, no, no, it's been amazing to watch. Mm. And we'll see how they get on the first 20 minutes as, of the Champions League final. Yeah, quite. But yeah. As, for, as for a league season, though, they're not consistent enough, obviously. Well, that, that's, that's the way it's looking at the mm. moment. Um, so in the race for the Champions League places, Leon 
um, are, as we speak, second, having beaten Troy by three goals to nil uh, at the weekend. Um, Monaco are third with uh, a point behind, 74 points uh, for for them, um, after they won at Calm with an incredibly late goal, a 91st minute winner from a player that you're going to tell me a little bit more about in a few minutes' time, which means that Marseille, it's up to them now uh, tonight to see if they can keep the pressure on those two above them. And as at the moment, um, they're drawing, by, as I say, by a goal, a goal apiece, having gone behind to the Mario Balotelli goal. Mm. Those three teams are going to be the Champions League places, but of course... Um, one of them has to go for a qualifying round, I think. Or is it all top four now? I think it's all changed now. Yeah, the major yep. leagues get four. So okay, so now, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're now but they're really pl- playing for second place um, in France. Um, relegation is a, a, a very, very, very tight. I mean, Mets are long since gone. But if I take Troy, Toulouse, Strasbourg, Lille, um, they've got um, about well, exactly three points covering all of those teams. And while... Um, it's you know it's not like Hamburg going down, and we do see a rotation of the same half dozen teams through uh, Ligue 1 and Ligue 2. We'll keep an eye on that for you as well, um, as as the as the, t- the time goes on. I mean Monaco finishing second, third, or fourth. It looks like they'll be second or third, given what they achieved last year and given the absolute filleting of their team. Yeah, um, I think this has been a very good season for Monaco. Yeah, Monaco is an interesting one because, as you say, they were absolutely picked off last summer. What an exciting side they were. We saw them you know, decimate Man City in the Champions League and eventually go out to um, Juventus, I think it was, in the end, wasn't it? But just to go back to your point about PSG, I mean, Monaco are, are one, of the, one of the best of the rest in, in Ligue 1, beaten 7-1 by PSG a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shambles, the difference in quality. Um, I wonder whether Jardim will move on. Um, but they've done OK. I mean, they, they had a dramatic winner against Cannes, as you said, at the week, uh, this weekend, which was really important for them given their, uh, given their league position because it is all to play for there. Yeah, and uh, I think it's from that game that, um, well, maybe your star of the week in France might come. Yeah, I've been a bit torn, actually, because, you know, a young, a young lad, very similar to Baku at Mainz, a young lad, uh, Moussa Silla, scored the winner for Monaco. I think he's 18 years old. I've not seen much of him. I think it, for him as well, might only be his first or second appearance, certainly of this season. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And I thought I was all, I, 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 he was a shoo-in for me, the old romantic in me, seeing a young player coming through. But then Super Mario scored, didn't he? Tonight. Well, yeah, but he has been dragged back. I think if it, we'll leave this one in abeyance till the end of the show. If Mario gets another and wins that game, then I think we can give him Star of the Week. I'm fine with that, but he does need some of our support because I think it's an absolute disgrace that he's been left out of the Italian national team. I mean, they're in the absolute pits at the moment. Well, this is one of the reasons why the manager got sacked because he ignored Trans Europe Express's hashtag Forza Mario. Did he really? Um, throughout the qualifying campaign. Unforgivable. Had, uh, hashtag Forza Mario. He wasn't picked. They didn't qualify. Duh. And he, so he had to go. It's clear and it's obvious. Let me give you the latest. Um, let me, the, not the latest from the poll. You know that you can go and vote at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, and at Luke Aaron. That's two R's and an O. Aaron Moore uh, on, uh, on Twitter. Um, some of the names said, Helvis has suggested, what about Mohamed Salah? But he's not a direct replacement, I don't think, for Benzema. I get your point. Trevor says Lukaku, and that, that, that was my idea before the show started. Mm. Manchester United, of course, don't have to sell their players whatsoever, um, but it would just be one of those things. Benjamin suggests that Belotti would make a good uh, choice. I'll give you another one. From Alvaro Morata, how about that? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just chuck that in there to see what happens. Uh, you're listening to the Trans-Europe Express. Luke Moore is here, and we're very glad to have him from the On the Continent uh, European Football Podcast. I'm Danny Kelly. You're the listening millions. The sun is shining. What could be better in this best of all possible worlds? On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on TalkSport. Welcome to the second hour of two of tonight's edition of Trans-Europe Express. I'm Danny Kelly, alongside me in the hot seat. Uh, from the On the Continent uh, European Football Podcast and much else. He's a regular on TalkSport 2, our sister station. It's Luke Moore. I'm delighted to have him along for the ride. I'll tell you what we're going to be doing. We're doing all kinds of things, but I think we must go straight back to the Classico, where, Luke, while we were away getting the news of sport headlines, um, there's been another goal. Yeah, 10-man Barcelona are actually dominating this game. Um, Lionel Messi stepped up with it. That man, again, with a fantastic finish. You were enjoying that finish in the break, Danny. You loved yeah, it. Yeah, I just like the way that he... he st- he stands the defender up and then with the first touch of his left foot gets past him. And then you know he's going to pass it inside uh, or just inside the, the near post. Uh, you know, Kaelin Navas is not the tallest goalkeeper and another chance for Barcelona. And I wonder whether, you know, De Gea might have saved it. But of course, he's not there. Kaelin Navas is the goalkeeper and Messi would probably be any goalkeeper. He's so good. Um, Paulinho has come on for Barcelona to bring that running power. Change has been made by both sides. And Real Madrid now have got, they've still got the extra man. They've got 30 minutes to try and get two goals to put a stop to Barcelona's unbeaten season in La Liga. Now, Different guests for us now. We're going to be joined by John Bradley, Russian football expert, writer and broadcaster. We'll get the latest from Russia, but also I just want to get, spend a few minutes talking about the build-up to the World Cup because, of course, we're doing it from a distance here. He knows what's going on in Russia. So very good evening to John Bradley. Hi, John. Hi, Danny. How are you doing? Really good and very good of you to join us. I know it's been short notice as well, so thank you very much indeed. First of all, we've been talking about Roberto Mancini and he's a evident... Um, dislike of his job in Russia. <laughs> yeah. um, you think you think he's actually worse than that? He's a dead man walking. He, he's toast. He's absolutely finished. Um, Zenit themselves as a club are absolutely desperate to get paid up by the Italian FA uh, and get rid of him. Um, basically, for about three months, he's wanted out. He's, he's not over enamoured with the job, and, and certainly the Zenit fans aren't over enamoured with the job he's done. It all started beautifully 
They, they won eight of the first ten games. They were flying. They were top of the league. And then they came and stuck at home against the now eventual champions, Lokomotiv. And they've hardly won a game since. They've, they've had a terrible run. They're only going to be in the Europa League next season. And bearing in mind, this is a Zenit side that last summer spent as much as the rest of the Russian Premier League combined. Wow. Mm. Wow, I mean, the only fly in the ointment for this, what sounds like to me, like a tremendous plan, is the Italian FA and Mr. Costa Curta, Signor Costa Curta, mm. may not want him. Yeah. Uh, no matter what happens, Zenit aren't going to have Mancini in charge next season. The, 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 the relationship has soured. Normally, I think, I think people warn Zenit that it's the second season, that things tend to, to go, away with, uh, go awry with Roberto Mancini, but it, it was midway through the first season here, and... Of course, you have that three-month winter break and everyone's come back and uh, no one seems to like each other in St. Petersburg anymore. Um, and, and, well, you, you did make the point, of course, that uh, uh, this weekend, Locomotive Moscow beat Zenit St. Petersburg um, with the aforementioned uh, Mancini on the firm by a goal to nil, uh, a result that clinched the title for Locomotive. Yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal story, not just in who writes Ada's scripts, because, of course, he scored the winner for Portugal uh, in the European Championships yep. two years ago. Came on as a sub last night in the game. It was a really dire game, a dead game, nervy game. And he scored an 89th minute winner and, uh, and earned locomotive the championship after they'd stuttered over the line in the last three games where they've had chances to win it. Uh, but it's a fantastic story. Yuri Seoman, uh, 71 this week. He won the last title for locomotive 14 years ago. They've had three titles over 16 years. He's won all the titles. That is fantastic, isn't uh, it? He was, yeah, and he was on tears, you know, in tears on the pitch. And, and even like a hard-faced player like Igor Denisov, who's won five titles, you know, he was in tears on the pitch as well. It's a phenomenal story because no one really gave them a chance to win the league. You know, it was always going to be Spartak, Zenit or, or Siska. But Lokomotiv, who won the cup last year, have just uh, gained momentum from that. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're worthy champions. And Manuel Fernandes, who's been a bit of a nomadic footballer down the years, the best player in Russia this year and uh, probably going to get a call-up to the World Cup because of it. I should make the point, of course, that with uh, Simon winning the title there and, of course, what happened in Germany, we have two managers in their 70s winning major titles in Europe. And I suppose this will be an appropriate time to say that uh, everyone at Talk Sport and any football family who's got anything other than a flint for a heart be wishing Sir Alex Ferguson, um, of whom we've heard no more, really, uh, since this morning and the news that he'd had um, operation on a brain hemorrhage, just to wish him uh, very well, even though the one time I met him, he called me an idiot um, because of one of my views about football. The fact of the matter is, looking at his trophy cabinet, he's probably right. <laughs> um, John, we're, of course, um, TalkSport are official broadcasters of the World Cup. Um, now, so just a few weeks away, of course, um, every game live here on TalkSport. Um, how is it? How's the been? Uh, obviously, they've got their own domestic football to be getting on with, plus the security issues and all the rest of it. Um, but I take it that everyone in Russia... Uh, we keep looking for reasons why it might go wrong, um, but I take it everybody in Russia is just absolutely thrilled and excited about the prospect of the World Cup coming up there in less than a month's time. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, and Russia is looking forward to welcoming the the world to to come to you know a country that people are suspicious of because of the way that it's portrayed in the Western media and, and the fact that, you know, we were brought up to be suspicious, those of us of a certain age. Yes, John, you know, and me and you both, yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I first went to Russia in the 80s when, uh, you know, they were still queuing for bread and things like that. It's a totally different place now. It's a very open country. Yes, they still have their problems, like many other countries, and there's still, you know, spots of racism that do appear. I don't think there is, listen, any problem with racism is still a problem. But yes. 
they're not as big as I think that they are highlighted as being, if, if you understand what I mean. Um, but the Russian people are, are going to be so welcoming and uh, I don't envisage any problems. It's actually surprising me how smoothly it all appears to be running now. I was expecting chaos by this stage and, you know, stadiums not being finished and, and tra- transport links not being done and, and all sorts of things going on. The only thing we've had a problem with, Danny, is, is a couple of the stadiums and access to it, particularly the one in St. Petersburg where uh, there the doesn't, doesn't seem to be enough turnstiles to get 60,000 people in. But apart from that, everything else is running pretty well and, and all the stadiums are open now and, ha- and have had games there as well. John, um, Luke here. Nice to talk to you, mate. Um, Hi, Luke. How, how do how do we expect Russia to, to, or how does the nation expect Russia to do actually on the pitch in the World Cup? Because that's a completely different question. Stop of laughing, course. John. And, and, and we, we have a little chuckle, but they've they've actually drawn a fairly reasonable group, haven't they? Um, is there any realistic hope they can go at least semi deep in this tournament? Um, <laughs> no, I thought you might say you, that. You've seen, Luke. You've seen them, haven't you? They're mm. awful. They're absolutely awful. Do you know what um, I fear? I fear for them, John. And I fear for them because they don't yeah. get a huge amount of competitive football going into this tournament as well. It's impossible yeah, to replicate yeah. that. And when you're short of yeah. quality as well, it's, it's just it, it feels it's hard to avoid it feeling like a bit of a damp squib when the host nation don't do anything. That's my that's my fear. Yeah, I think the problem that they've got obviously is that uh, Alexander Kokorin, who will be their main striker, is uh, well along with Fyodor Smolov. He's missing the tournament with a cruciate ligament injury. Yeah, it's a big blow, they isn't it? Georgi, they lost Georgi Jikir from Spartak with a cruciate. They've lost Victor Vassin, the centre-half from Siska, with a cruciate as well. So they've had three cruciates in the space of three months that have taken players out of the tournament. And it's got so desperate now that they're talking about, you know, trying to get the Berezutskis to play. No! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And they've, even, even worse, Danny... They've been asking Sergei Ignashevich to play, and he's 38. I mean, and, I mean, with all due respect how... to those three great players that they were in the past, how mm. is this going? You you go into the old people's home, you go, do you want to play in the World Cup? <laughs> Would you like a biscuit with your tea? Is that how it's going? Roger Miller again. If, if you think about it, they, they, they've got Konstantin Rausch, who, who was born in Russia and, and moved to Germany at a young age. and Roman Would you Lund, like a blanket for your legs? <laughs> you know, they've been naturalising players for the last year. They've got Guilherme, the Brazilian goalkeeper, Ari, the Brazilian forward. Uh, Neustatter as well, of course. Yeah. They've been just trying to create Russian players to get them to play in the World Cup. But, uh, yeah, they've got massive problems. And it's a shame they've got a chance of getting out of that group because, you know, depending on how Saudi and Egypt and Uruguay do. But it's, it's a favourable group and with the support. And Smolov is capable of scoring goals. And in Alexander Golovin, they've got a player who will probably be playing in England or Germany next season. He's, he's that good. The, the, the boy from Siska that we saw against Arsenal scored that brilliant free kick and scored that amazing curling goal against Leon as well. I mean, he is a, a real breaking out talent as well. So he's, he's probably the best Russian player since Arshavin with the potential to go on and be better than him. And he'll probably have a better appetite for the game than, uh, than the man who was at Arsenal. Um- John, possibly belie my ignorance here, but just just a quick word on Alan Jagoyev, if that's possible, because I remember yeah. him being a really excited young player. He's 27 now. I think he'll be 28 when the mm. tournament kicks off. Um, is it is it been a tale of disappointment for him in his career, given the promise he showed? Needed to leave Russia in 2011, 2012. Yeah, he didn't, did he? And test himself. But he's very, very Russian. His outlook is very Russian. You know, he's from he's from Beslan, where you remember obviously that the school massacre and everything mm-hmm. many many moons ago. Um, and I think that he's that sort of person that would struggle to to 
move outside the country and then, you know, have the identity of playing in another country as well. He also lacks pace as well, which is his problem, which is probably stopped him getting a really good move. Technically fantastic, but just not quite sharp enough, I think, at the very top level. He was he was a play, the player of the group stage in Euro 2012, to, to my mind. And, and of well, course, he ripped everyone apart, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he looked really good. Superb, and he was really exciting, yeah. Uh, John, see, I hear what you're saying about the hosts, uh, Luke, but I think nowadays, of course, for chauvinistic reasons, people would like their own country to go far into these tournaments. But because the, every country sees so much of the other footballers, particularly in the Champions League, I think there are, the survival of you know lots and lots of superstars in the latter stages, I think it somewhat assuages um, the hosts going out. But, John, I'd love to get your view because it's such an open World Cup. Um, if, he, if I was forced to put the Bradley mortgage on one or two teams to make the, the final, who would you be putting it on? Hey, it's a big mortgage that time, be careful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so, why I'm putting yours, not mine on. <laughs> genuinely, I think it's one of the hardest World Cups yeah, to call. I agree. Um, I think we're going to look at the usual sort of suspects, aren't we? And I think we're looking at probably a European nation as well. And, you know, when you think that, you think Germany, don't you? I mean, Absolutely. you just spring straight to mind. And I don't... I think France, obviously, who who were brilliant when they played in St. Petersburg uh, a couple of months ago. I watched them play and and Paul Pogba. And even the injury to Koscielny means that uh, Deschamps, who (laughs) who can't make his mind up, will have to now play Varane and Mtiti, won't he? (laughs) Horrible for the Arsenal centre-half, but but it means Deschamps can now stop messing about with their back four, can't he? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> Rafael Varano or Casillas—he's not much of a choice, is it? Well, unless you're Didier Deschamps. I mean, with all due respect to, to, to the Arsenal man, um, no, not Brazil for you, John. Um, I, I, obviously they're exciting, and obviously I think we're all looking at Neymar's fitness as well. But you know, having seen a lot of uh, Roberto Firmino at Liverpool this season and, and mm, the players that wow. are in and around that squad, <sighs> you always fancy them, but you always think, you know, from where they were in 2014. They're a lot better side now, aren't they? I think we'd say that. I, I think they've got a fire in their belly as well, John, after what happened yeah. to them in 2014. And, and yeah. they look a settled team as yeah. well, don't they? The manager that's was That's the last thing they need, more emotion. We saw that was the True. problem. True, so fair point. Fair I think point. they need to get cool heads and let their, let their technical ability and their running power as well. They've got some amazing athletes, Marcelo, Paulinho, etc., in that team. Um, thank you very much, John. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, John. Good to talk to you, fellas. Great to meet yeah, you. Yeah, John Bradley there, Russian football expert, telling us about the expectations of the host nation. Let me just tell you that the sometimes criticised Kalon Navas has just kept Real Madrid in the Clasico. A brilliant save down to his left from another run and shot by Lionel Messi. With 20 minutes to go, it remains Barcelona 2 with their 10 men and Real Madrid 1. Um, and still, so far in the second half, it's been pretty much all... Barcelona with their 10 men and they are proving at the moment that they are the best team in Spain. You're listening to Trans Europe Express. Luke Moore is in the house. I'm Danny Kelly. You're the listening millions. And next up, well, what are we going to be doing next? Let's uh, let's try let's just do one of our cult footballers and more of Simon Calder's travel guide to Russia and the World Cup itself. Whereas I said there to John Bradley and to all of you, every game is live here on the mighty, mighty talk sport. Sign in. Yesterday my life was filled with rain Sunny You smiled at me and really eased the pain Now the dark days are done and the bright days are here My sunny one shines so sincere Sunny one so true I love you We're walking a tightrope with this song, aren't we? It's used for so many adverts now. It's in danger of being... 
reduced from its original brilliance. The Mike Love effect, I call by, that. By over-familiarity. It is, of course, Bobby Hebb and the original version of Sunny, requested by lots of you, and it's a beautiful song. Sod the adverts, this is brilliant. You gave to me your all in all And now I feel ten feet tall Sunny one so true. Keep your requests coming in for songs about sun and sunshine and sunny 81089 or tweet directly at Danny Kelly Words sunny. on Twitter. Thank you for the truth you let me see. Now, a few minutes ago, uh, as I told you, I most get most things wrong. I told you how Barcelona were dominating the Classico. Is that still true, Luke Moore? It is not. No, Real Madrid have been pushing, as they rightly should be, in a Classico against 10 men. And um, a ball has been slipped through for Gareth Bale, who finished with a plomb. Fizzed it in, didn't he? Yeah, into the corner with his left foot. It's now 2-2. It's Desmond, as they say, and it's all to play for. Um, but Gareth Bale, I think, has just been booked as well. And 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 the, and the Spanish players, oh, sorry, the Real Madrid Barcelona players are remonstrating with the referee about something Bale booked, else Marcelo booked yeah. in the last thirty seconds. That's most of the players on the pitch have been booked, which is yeah. exactly what you would hope for, for in course. a Clasico. There hasn't been a bad tackle in the whole thing. Well, that's quite uh, a bad one. Uh, hang on, but, uh, until Gareth Bale <laughs> just did that. Um, well, let me just give you four goals so far shared between Suarez and Messi with Barcelona, Ronaldo and, and Gareth Bale for Real Madrid. There's still. 12, 14 minutes of normal time to go there. Um, red card meant that uh, for, since the 45th minute, just before half time for Sergio Roberto, it means that Barcelona have been playing with 10 men. And don't forget, if Real could get a winner now, they would put a stop to Barcelona's attempt to be the first team ever in Spain to go unbeaten. Time now for our cult hero. <laughs> incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, our cult football this week has been chosen by Luke Moore because he's a supporter of one of these teams that I'm going to mention. Our cult footballer played brilliantly, um, dynamic, brilliant passer in midfield for the great Red Star Belgrade team of the late 80s, early 90s. Then he played for Real Madrid. Then he played for Barcelona. He had a season at Seville. Um, and he ended up at Portsmouth. Um, I think you're not a Real Madrid or Red Star Belgrade supporter, no? No, I am So who not. have you chosen? Robert Prozinecki, of course. Robert Prozinecki. Now, I hope we haven't done him before in the last three years. I don't think we have. We've done lots of players from that great Red Star team. But tell us about Robert Prozinecki, um, Luke. Well, he came, came through as, um, as, as one of those great Yugoslavian players in the late 80s. Um, players like Zvonimir Boban, Robert Jani, of course, the great Davos Suka. Mihailovic, all that yeah, gang, yeah. Um, Stojkovic as well, of course. Yeah. Igor Stimac as well. Um, and um, people will remember it from the World Cup in 1998 when you know, um, Croatia got to the uh, semi-final, of course. Um, he, he first came on my radar, really, uh, in, in the World Cup, in World Cup 1990. Now, of course, Dragan Stojkovic had a better tournament than him, mm-hmm. but um, this is when we saw him as a, as a special player. But I've just had the producer come through with a load of facts about his career, about where he went to manage afterwards and what he won and all the rest of it. But for me, the key to this is the, frankly, inexplicable season he spent down at Fratton Park. Um, well, 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 before we get to that, could, could we, we hold, hold the Portsmouth bus for just a second. Well, I could do half an hour on the Portsmouth bit. Yeah. He played in that great Red Star Belgrade team that was Champions of Europe. Um, then he went to Real Madrid for three years and played there. Oviedo, then Barcelona for a season. Seville, Croatia, Zagreb. Um, and then he went to uh, 
I, I, I can't. I can never remember how to pronounce Havatsky, uh, Standard Liège, and then you're right at the turn of the century, 2001, 2002, the classic season for Championship and Football Manager. Um, it he was, turned absolutely. up at Fratton Park. Tell us what that was like as a young. How old you would have been in secondary school then? Would you? No, 2001, 2002. I was just. I was at university. Right. So okay. I was 20. Years and you're old. supporting Portsmouth Football Club. Yes, and I'm, I'm going down there um, when I can. Obviously, as many weeks as possible. And and this this came about because Roy Prosonecki's friends with or his agent really his friends with the Len uh, Portsmouth owner Milan Mandaric mm-hmm. who went on to own Leicester and uh, in 2002 2003 Portsmouth were promoted to the Premier League as I'm sure you will remember s- seismic occasion that it was but the season before that Robert Prosonecki just rocks up at Portsmouth um, and for those of you who have not seen him play the younger listeners maybe this is a, 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 a tremendously creative midfield player he's a, probably the ultimate luxury player doesn't doesn't want to do any running probably doesn't want to train like um, a fag yeah smoking 20 a day I actually once saw him outside Fratton Park um, late on after a game on Saturday night with a, a hold all over his shoulder a cigarette in his mouth and a, and a, and a woman came and picked him up in a car and he just chucked his bag in the back got in and this is in 2002 I mean we're yeah. not talking 1974 here this, no. this is this is, this is the Prozenecki full effect yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was playing the, the problem was though down at Fratton Park was he was playing alongside such luminaries as you know Carl Tyler and uh, Courtney Pitt and uh, Rowan Vine and Neil you, you Barrett you got me so far and yeah. I like football yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 it's fair to say some of the players weren't on the same wavelength as him but he was an absolute joy and my grandfather and my uncle who first taught me took me along to Fratton Park we all agreed, all three of us, three generations of, of Portsmouth fans, he's the best player we've ever seen down at that club. Wow, um, now that is saying something. His, his, um, his, his vision, his creativity, his passing skill, his, his skill with both feet, just incredible. He managed nine goals in the league, a few fantastic free kicks in that. To be fair to him, he played near to, near to every game, actually. I mean, yeah. he wouldn't have played every game but he was right up there and he's he's a, a massive cult hero then and when you said to me what player do you want to do for this to me he's arguably the ultimate cult hero um for, for his time on the shores of england i know that sounds a bit biased yeah um, but 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 seriously what a talent what a player oh Lionel messi's had a, made another astonishing run and just curled it past well Kayla navis might well got in the crowd and applauded um curled it past and um, what for him was the far post watch this again stands the defender up Aims the ball yeah. out. It's, it's, two, it's two feet away. Yeah. Absolutely. And Robert Prosonecki may come into our transom very soon again because uh, after, uh, a, after he retired, um, he's been assistant manager of Zagreb and Croatia. Then he went and had a couple of unsuccessful years as Red Star Belgrade manager. But in recent times, he's done what people tell me is a very creditable job um, with Azerbaijan, where he's been national team manager for three years and has recently got the job with Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, so in this new Nations League, whatever we call it, we're going to see yeah. uh, Bosnia playing and we'll see Robert Prozinecki hopefully um, in these more enlightened days not smoking on the touchline. Yeah, managers are good players as well. Kalisanac, who plays for Arsenal, of course. Uh, Pjanic of Juventus mm-hmm. and Dzeko, who's had a fantastic season at Roma. So he's, he's going to impart some of his wisdom upon them as well. And fingers crossed he can replicate what he achieved as a manager too. Thank you very much indeed. And that's our cult hero for this week. Incredible! Incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic! Ribaldo! That's magnificent! Get back up! Get it back up! Get it back up! Get it in, Zidane! 
Now it's time for the latest of Simon Calder, Britain's leading travel writer and broadcaster. His latest report on a uh, city or town and stadium that you might visit if, you go, if you're lucky enough to go out to Russia for the upcoming World Cup. Well, of course, everything is live here on TalkSport. Every game, every kick, etc. And uh, the town he's going to talk about tonight is Volgograd. Stadion. Stadium. Volgograd Arena. Well... I'm not sure that there's a prize for stadium that looks most like an upside-down IKEA lampshade, but if there is, it will certainly go to the Volgograd Arena. Unlike a Scandinavian lampshade, it holds 45,000 people. The stadium's facade takes the form of an inverted truncated cone with an open lattice structure lending the entire building a monumental solidity, says FIFA adding the design for the facade uh, supports and the windbreaks embody aspects of a victory day firework display. Hmm? Talking of pyrotechnics though, it's also on the former site of the Stalingrad Central Stadium and at the foot of the Mayayev Kurgan Memorial to perhaps the bloodiest battle in the Second World War. Fittingly, after Russia 2018, the stadium will become home to FC Rota, formerly known as Tractor Stalingrad. Matches to see. Four matches will be played in Volgograd starting on the 18th of June with Tunisia against England in Group G. 22nd of June, Nigeria, Iceland. 25th will be over to Group A for Saudi Arabia against Egypt. Going to be an interesting one, that. And the 28th of June, Japan versus Poland in Group H. Rating Putishestvi Talksporta. Talksport travel rating. What to see, what to do, where to stay. Well, it's all about Stalingrad. Yes, the bloodiest battle in the history of warfare where the German 6th Army was destroyed and perhaps a million Soviet lives were lost over the course of almost six months of hand-to-hand fighting in what the Germans called the Rattenkrieg, the Rat War. Almost all the city was destroyed too. So everything has been rebuilt. You could stay in the Hotel Bank. This is in an office block above a bank. Buy everything that you need at the Superman Shopping Mall, by the way, named after Superman. And Mamayev Kurgan is the hill right next to the stadium, two miles north of the city centre known as Hill 102, which changed hands many times with the loss of thousands of Red Army and German lives. It's now a war, war memorial, and you can get there on a high-speed tram. Talksport travel rating out of five for Volgograd, Stalingrad as it was. Let's give it three. and he's allowed always to choose one of the songs. It's one of his favourite bands, The Skints. And lucky enough, given what we're doing tonight, Sunny Sunny is the name of this song, as you probably guess from that reggae beat. They're still playing um, at the at the, 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 at the New Camp, rather. What am I talking about? Oh, a, a, a last shot there, a corner. Um, Bale has just had a shot there from outside there, but got the equaliser, of course. Um, you're going to tell me that... Uh, 
full ga- full time in Cagliari as well. It's ended yeah. Cagliari <clears throat> nil, Roma one, Roma up to third. Four points now separate them from fifth place with Inter with two games to go. Lazio now down to fourth. So a tough a tough night for Roma. They had to fight fight it out there because um, of course Cagliari need the points themselves to try and avoid relegation. But they've won by that goal. Um, they, but there's a last minute corner now in, in well, past we're way day. over the injury time as well. We are Real Madrid's last chance, a corner being taken, swung in from the right hand side, and there's a foul to Barcelona. Yes, the free uh, kick. Yeah, the, the Real Madrid player trying himself to the ground there, as my mum would say. And, full time. Uh, and the referee calls all to it. I mean, all these games are always mad and dynamic and weird and wonderful. But Real Madrid had a huge chance there to put a stop to Barcelona's. Probable, not 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 certain. Unbeaten season. They played for forty-five minutes with just ten men. Barcelona, but the game has ended. Barcelona two, Real Madrid two. An eighth-minute goal by Luis Suarez was in. Uh, Luis Suarez was uh, equaled, uh, equalised by Cristiano Ronaldo after fifteen minutes. Then Messi, who had a brilliant game up front for Barcelona when they went down to ten men. Um, got a, a second goal of 51 minutes. Gareth Bale equalised uh, with uh, about 18 minutes to go with an absolute fizzer from the edge of the box. First touch, left foot, round the goalkeeper. It was a brilliant game. There were plenty of fisticuffs and all the stuff you'd expect from a Clasico, but it's ended Barcelona 2, Real Madrid 2, which means uh, that Barcelona say carry on towards this unbeaten season that's never been done in Spain before. Let's talk about some of these other leagues. I've got some news for you. You can join in whenever you want. Now, the uh, most astonishing league, uh, it may not be as competitive as Italy or as competitive as Turkey, but of course, Greece this year has lived up to its reputation as being a footballing madhouse. But they finally managed to finish at least the league fixtures. The FA Cup is still in abeyance. Um, And after 24 years without a championship, AK Athens um, are the new champions. Um, They won 1-0 at Apollon. Um, who had a man sent off in that game as well on Saturday to take them clear of Pauk and Olympiakos um, to win the title for the first time in 24 years. A Sergi Araju goal um, gave them that win against Apollon and their coach Manolo Jimenez um, was joined by the players. A fireworks all round um, the stadium as they lifted the trophy to the skies over Athens and they are the champions of Greece, where I think it's fair to say, uh, Luke, even if, if the standard of football isn't great, the standard of the competition is always something to see. I think if you can keep up with what's been happening since um, the Pauk owner entered the field of play with a gun... Yeah, it was just one of those things um, in Greece. <laughs> ...that you're a better man than me, because I have been lost in a mire of uh, games being called off, uh, points deductions, appeals. <laughs> yeah. it's, you don't know which way you're turning. Well, I, I, think the, I think the appeals are all finished, right? Um, and I suspect that this is the, the, the final... Uh, thing is AK 70 points Pauk 67 Olympiakos who did lose points of course third with 60 but, points but Danny given what's going on in the latter part of this season are AEK Athens right to be worried that um, a representative from the Greek FA will turn up in the middle of the night and demand the trophy back due to some other appeal that we haven't considered yet I, I hope not because they're, they're, they're running where they, where they were unbeaten in the last seven or eight games uh, means they deserve a champions. And I will also point uh, a, 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 big, a big up for the team who finished uh, fourth. The Tromikos are a small team and they've done very well to he- finish ahead of some much bigger sides there in Greece. And the, the guy who scored the winner for Athens is on loan from Las Palmas, who are the lowest scoring team in Spain and could have done with him. And that's what it. shows you how uh, much football managers know by yeah. and large, doesn't it? Yeah. And we have new champions in Portugal as well. I say new champions. Um, but we're following uh, Porto have dethroned Benfica as the Premier League champions after the latter played out. Uh, Benfica had a goalless draw um, with Sporting in the big, big game. And that uh, draw 
um, leaves Benfica and Sporting level um, on uh, on 78 points and left the door open for Porto uh, to come through. And it's been a little while since they've been the champions or and they would normally think that was the place for them. And the obvious uh, thing to say about that in what's always a very, very competitive and closely fought league is that when you only concede 17 goals in 32 games, Porto have um, had to do well. Their goal difference is massive, 62. They, mm. They're the top <clears> scorers <throat> and the best defence, and that I think will always make you champions. It's their first title, I think, since 2012, is it? Yeah, and which the, is a long time for Porto. It certainly is. And with the right was on the wall, uh, interestingly enough, last week when Benfica surprisingly lost 3 2 at home to Lowly Tondela, a mid table side. And really, when we're talking about Portugal, we're talking about Porto, Benfica, Sporting, and the rest, really, aren't we? So yeah. that was a surprising well, Benfica, four, four titles on the spin. Now uh, they've given up the title to FC Porto. Um, in the most uh, competitive of uh, the leagues in, uh, in, in Europe, let's turn to Turkey, um, where they're not quite finished. They've still got two games to go. Um, all kinds of shenanigans, as always. On loan, Barcelona midfielder Arda Turan faces, well, what's described in Turkey as significant punishment after he pushed a linesman late in Besiktas' 1-1 draw with Sivaspor in the Turkish League game on Friday. He was sent off the 94th minute of the draw after a shot by Rubinho of Sivaspor was ruled an own goal and so on. The former uh, Super League referee, Denis Colburn, uh, said that if we go by the rule book, I don't think he'll get more than four or five games. Um, but the reigning Turkish Super League champions, Besiktas, boycott Turkish, uh, Turkish League Cup semi-final game against uh, rivals Fenerbahce. As you remember, the fixture was initially ab- abandoned after uh, Senor Gunes. Yeah, yeah. Gunes, the uh, Besiktas boss, was hit on the head by a foreign object and had stitched in his head. Or, if you believe the other story, they cut his head open in the dressing room <laughs> to get away with it. He suffered a mild concussion, spent the night in hospital. Um, they have boycotted the Cup final, so I think it's going to be handed to their opponents um, because they, they simply haven't turned up. Meanwhile, in the actual results, we see that uh, the race continues. Uh, Galatasaray won at Akhirispaspor um, to keep the top with, with two games to go with 69 points. Fenerbahce beat Bursaspor to remain in second place with 66. Level with Istanbul, Bekakashir, um, who drew 1-1 with Sivaspor and may have... Uh, may have hamstrung their chances of being champions and Besik as a fourth with 62 points but they do have a game in hand so still all to play for at the top is the Turkish Super League and in uh, in Holland where PSV have uh, been champions for a little while now um, just to say that uh, Edo Den Haag and Herenveen will join Vitesse and Utrecht in the playoffs for the last Europa League spot and uh, Den Haag I, about 18 months ago I had the Pleasure of going to their brand new stadium on the edges of the town. Um, and a beautiful thing it is, an, an exact example of clubs that are not uh, super giants, how you can make what looks like a community club but still have um, facilities to play top football there. And Den Haag have snuck into those playoffs. They'll be between Feyenoord, Utrecht, Vitesse, and Den Haag for a place in the uh, Europa League. That's the way Holland works it. We haven't decided, we have decided, myself and Luke Moore, that we haven't got the brain power between us to try and work out what's going on in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> have you, are you one of those people who ever tried to work out the Belgian not, League? Not really, no. I'm, I'm quite agnostic when it comes to, 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 to the Belgian League. But a, a quick note for Philip Koku, by the way. I know we're going to talk about the managerial merry-go-round in the Very minute. much so. And Philip Koku, to me, is very, very noticeable by his absence. He's done a fantastic job at PSV. 
Um, he's won three titles in a row there now, I think. Or, or no, three and four years. Mm. His, his managerial record at PSV is fantastic, but never mentioned for another job elsewhere in Europe. And if which you is consider, strange. of course, that he's got the Barcelona gene as well. And the tradition of Dutch, great Dutch coaches. You'd think, you'd think that he'd be, right, he'd be one of those people who would be mentioned. That's what we will end tonight's show with. Um, as we head into the Champions League final and the last days of the seasons before, of course, the World Cup, every game live here on Talk Sport. Um, we know that Bayern Munich have got a new coach. We know that it's not been announced who PSG's uh, coach will be, but there are still a number of huge vacancies on what can it's sort of it's a it's a merry-go-round for the elite of European managers. And during the last few minutes of the show here on Trans Europe Express, myself and Luke Moore will discuss some of the names and runners and riders for those big jobs. None of them bigger in many ways, of course, than Arsenal. <laughs> Now we're talking. This is great. Thank you for this, of course. The kinks and sunny afternoon of you bring to a climax our songs about sun and sunshine and I hope you've sat around for at least some of the sunny afternoon today let me just tell you that Marseille have taken the lead in that game against Nice. Dimitri Payet, after 85 minutes, he's in great form all of a sudden as they get towards the World Cup. Payet has made it two goals to one. It's an important win for Marseille and a blow for Nice. It is, yeah. It's not over yet, but if it, if it remains like that, there's a few minutes to go yet. It's an important game for both teams, really. I mean, top three goes straight... Uh, well, I think the third place in France goes into the qualifying round for the Champions League. Marseille very much targeting that. Nice targeting a Europa League place, and this is a blow for their hopes. We've got exactly two minutes um, okay. to, uh, before we come to the end of Trans Europe Express. Don't forget the world according to Mike Parry's on after that. I just want to talk about one or two of the managerial situations. If Zinedine Zidane wins the Champions League against Liverpool, um, he's not going to win the title in Spain, obviously. That's already gone. Do you think he might want to take a rest? Do you think Real Madrid will be looking for a new manager? Because it is incredibly intense there, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's reasonable to suggest that. Um, interestingly, from the Zidane point of view, I'd, I'd be absolutely fascinated to see how successful successful he would be outside of this Real Madrid environment where he's you know, he's a great player, he's football royalty. He'd probably take a year off though, wouldn't he? That's what I, seems to be the fashion it, with the, it, with the, with the particular ones that have to does. deal with the Spanish media. It certainly does. I, I don't know where we'd rock up next, if anywhere. Maybe you think, like, that's me and I've, I've done my bit. Three three Champions League wins in a row, possibly. Can't ask for any more than that. Maybe you wouldn't fancy another job. And you mentioned uh, your your admiration for Julian Nagelsmann yeah. at Hoffenheim. Where do you think he might end up? Do you think he'll stay there? I think he will, actually. I think ah. he's been linked with um, Chelsea, and, and, that, and that comes from um, the owner of Napoli um, saying um, that... Oh, no, sorry, not that. Sorry, Chelsea and, and Conte uh, obviously leaving uh, this summer. That's, that's, that's done and dusted now, and Nagelsmann's reportedly a target. But as I said earlier in the show, I think Nagelsmann might stay uh, with a view to Kovac perhaps not being quite as successful as people hope, and then he can stay step into that job at Bayern Munich uh, next summer. A um, lot of ifs and buts in there, 
But um, I think that's what he's holding out for. And let's, let's not forget as well, Nagelsmann's a very young coach. He's got a huge amount, amount of years in front of him. There's no real need for him to go anywhere yet. Well, who's going to be the new Arsenal manager? They've, got, they've obviously got quite a good team if you look at the way they played today. Yeah, it won't be Thomas Tuchel. That's pretty erroneous, that link, I think. No, no he's, going, he's going to Paris, isn't he? Yeah, and he also hates Mislintat, who's the, who's, who's the new, scout, new yeah. recruit at Arsenal, to the point of where he banned him from the training ground at Dortmund. So that's unlikely to happen. Um, where would Arsenal go? I don't know, but I can, I can say this. According to reports that uh, Carlo Ancelotti has um, accepted a Premier League job, uh, can only be Arsenal or Chelsea, I guess, so it might well be the North Londoners. Okay, listen, thank you very much, Dean. Luke, despite everything people saying behind your back, I think you've been magnificent <laughs> uh, for the kind. last two hours. Thank you very much. Thank Making you. his debut here on Trans Europe Express, I don't suppose it'll be the last time you hear his voice on the programme. Um, this has been Trans Europe Express. Thank all of you for listening, for your helps with the poll and the musical homework. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 